Welcome to Faith Foundations, a podcast with Open the Word with Circle of Friends. And I'm Gwen McCaslin. I'm your host. Um, And this is our Wednesday editions. Um, And so these are Faith Foundations. And um, this is actually podcast 104. And we are going to be talking about how to choose the best Bible for yourself um, and what the differences are. Uh, in in Bibles, you know, the different versions and paraphrases and translations and what the differences are between those. Um, but, you know, we live, we live in an unprecedented time where we have access to the scripture at our fingertips, on our phones, on our iPads, on computers. I mean, we, uh, we are inundated with access. So it really says something that Two-fifths of the church never opens the Word of God. And another fifth admits that they're only in it like once or twice a month when we have this much access. And I, you know, one of the things that kind of hit me and just looking at this is thinking about how many Bibles I had at home. Um, and especially in light of some of the things that we hear coming out of Asia and China and those kind of places where these believers, if they can get access to any of it, they are just rejoicing how, you know, they will memorize large portions because they don't know when they're going to have access to it again. And so if they commit it to memory, then they have ready access. Um, You know, and so I I look at some of that kind of stuff and it just humbles me um, and kind of honestly shakes me a little bit to the core. Um, But I wanted to talk, you know, part of our heart for this, this podcast as a whole Uh, with open your word is to get more believers to open the word of God instead of taking um, other people's words for things or you know feeling like it's too difficult and not not doing it to just being willing to become a student of the word to open it on a regular basis and get in there so okay so that said let's talk about different bibles because different Bibles have different features. They have different um, readability levels. There's just a whole, there's a whole plethora of things to talk about when it comes to uh, Scripture. Um, and so let's start, I guess, a little bit with paraphrases, translations, and versions. Because that's kind of the core of the English language, is that we have all of these different kinds of Bibles that you can pick from. You know, you got the NIV, you've got the King James Version, um, and there's a whole bunch of people that are very adamant about that. And then you've got other people that are amplified or, you know, um, New American Standard or the English Standard Version. So there's all kinds of different versions and translations and paraphrases. Um, Some of the paraphrases that you might be familiar with are the message. Um, Passion has out a paraphrase. Um, So there's just, there's a lot of variety in Bibles. So let's talk our way through so you can kind of understand the different categories. We're going to start first with versions. Um, To understand version, I'm going to start with the most scholarly of the translations. Um, And for a decent version, what they will do is they will gather the best amount of source text and translations available, and they use a wide base to create the English, um, an English version. And so they will be word for word as close in accuracy as they can get. Um, These are used usually for uh, more serious Bible studies, um, but there's definitely a lot more academic quality to these. Um, 
And so some of those are the New American Standard Bible, the New International Version, the King James Version, um, the English Standard Version. Those are versions. And so word for word accuracy, you got to remember that word for word. Um, and so they tend to be most scholarly. And if you're into Bible study, which we encourage people to be all about studying your Bible, these are really good resources to have. Now, in versions, there are all kinds of study helps that are included in these Bibles a lot of times. Um, and so we'll talk about those in a minute, but let's go to what translations first. Um, the next level of uh, or section of Bibles that you have are called translations. Um, you have the Good News Translation, you have the New Living Translation, you've got some of those, okay? And those are when you read them side by side to a version, they're going to look very similar. Um, the wording will just be a little different. Um, and the reason for that is because they're trying to capture more thought per thought. Um, and so they're not as much like this is the Greek word and here's the best translation for that word. They're more like, okay, this set of Greek words to best capture what these four words mean together, we would word it this way. Um, and so they do a little bit more of that thought for thought. These usually have easier reading levels, and they're usually great for younger younger kids or um, even people who maybe are coming to English as a second language uh, rather than um, being completely from wound fluent um, from childhood on up. So these are, tend to be an easier reading level and for youth, like I said. Now, paraphrases can be incredibly helpful, but a lot of times what they do is they often explain, expand for the sake of clarification. Um, and by doing that, they're, the more conservative view is that they are adding to the Word of God. And so sometimes when you're doing that, you can really shift the meaning or the understanding of a passage. Um, and so the critical, the, cri the criticism out on those is that they can add or remove scripture without the reader even realizing it. Um, and so to have that as your primary source for reading God's word is probably not the best option. You want to have one of the versions probably or one of the translations or, you know, like on my phone, I've got a Bible app and I can switch and look at the different versions and translations. Um, but that's kind of a very quick uh, understanding of the differences. So when you see, oh, this is a paraphrase, you need to understand that that's a summary, um, and it's often expanded for clarification, so it tends to be more wordy. You also won't notice, like, the verses, they'll be clumped in sections. Um, and so it'll be hard to pick out verse 16, because it'll be like verse 14 through 19 are all brought together in a paragraph. Um, so you're going to notice that kind of stuff. That's one of the things that lets you know it's a paraphrase. Um, translations and versions are always going to have your verse and your verse is going to be very clear uh, on those two things. So boiling this down, how do I choose? There's so many options. I go to the Christian bookstore and there's like 50 to 70 Bibles. Like, what do I do? Okay. Here's the thing. They have people to help you walk through and choose. But the one thing I would suggest is that you define your purpose you know, what are you going to be using this Bible for? You know, maybe you've had a Bible handed to you or you picked one up in a hotel room and it's, you know, um, and those are great, but they don't have study helps. They don't have maps in the back. They're just, 
They're just the text. Well, those are okay, but maybe you want to start digging into the places where the Bible was written and it talks about. Well, then you, you're going to want something that's got some of those external extra resources um, that are included as far as study helps. Um, and so there are a lot of options with that today. Um, study Bibles typically will include cross-references down the middle. And so you would look in your verse, and like in a verse there might be a word that has a number or a letter beside it. And then if you look to the center, it'll usually either have an explanation for that specific word or it'll have another verse to go check out where that concept is talked about in another place in scripture. And why is that so, so important? Well, it's important because God's word, like a book, its context is the whole. The whole counsel of God's word is what one scripture needs to be interpreted in light of the whole. Um, because it's not meant to be pulled out and separated from the other scriptures. It's meant to be read as a canon. The Old Testament and the New Testament, the New Testament was built upon the foundation of the Old Testament. You can't separate them. These books were written in tandem, and so you'll have Peter quoting Paul, and you know, you'll have them cross-quoting each other because these works are unified and they are meant to be understood as a whole. Um, and so being able to cross-reference to another passage in the Old Testament or New that talk about certain topics is very important um, to understand the greater picture of what, you know, for example, if it's prayer, what the Bible says about prayer from Old Testament to New Testament um, to get a bigger context for some of that. Okay, another thing that you will find in a study Bible is a dictionary to be able to look up words. Um, and another thing that you will find with study Bibles is that they will have concordances in the rear. Um, some of them, even like as you're reading in a book, down below they may have sections with commentary or um, notes that are made, those kinds of things. So you really, it's really important to open up at the, the store and really look and see what, I don't know, what kind of options are available in each of them and find the one that kind of hits you where you are. Um, you know, sometimes they'll have a glossary of people and places in the back, maps. I would really encourage that you need you need a Bible with maps because um, maps and photos and charts are the things that kind of um, make some of these things easier to connect with. Um, and then there is actually a couple of Bibles that they've put out with archaeology uh, pieces included. And so as you're reading, there'll be like these little boxes that'll have a picture in it of a place. Like, for example, Ephesus is amazing. Um, and so when you read the book of Ephesians and you read Acts where it talks about the gospel coming to Ephesus, you know, take a break when you're in that passage and go check out you know, some resources. If your Bible has that, look it up. Um, you know, read those sections. If if it doesn't, you know, you can always get online and look up some things. They actually have um, where you can do your online tours, videos of Ephesus. You can travel, you can, um, you know, you can actually look at the layout. And what you can see there is you can see the marketplace 
that Paul would have spoke at. You can see where they think the synagogue was. You know, you can see the library that he spent two years teaching and discipling people from. You can see the amphitheater that he that um, others were drug into and almost stoned at. Um, so you can actually like see the places that that scripture passage is talking about. Um, and it's that kind of stuff that helps you connect with the story. It helps you connect with what's going on and what happened at the time. Um, I will never forget researching that for the first time and realizing that when Acts was talking about how the gospel came in and then when Ephesians started talking about how the artisans were so angry, that there was a reason. And the reason was the fact that Christianity had come in and it had changed so many people that it was impacting the trade. You know, nobody was, not as many people were needing those little idols anymore. And not as many people were buying the scrolls and all of that kind of stuff. And then you can actually find um, this event where they got together and they burned lots and lots and lots of all of these magical scrolls and things that they had used in worship of pagan gods. And if you look at a denarii as one of today's wages and you just give it a, okay, $10 an hour, eight hours a day, okay, 80 bucks for the day, and you do the math, it comes to like $6 million worth of merchandise and scrolls and stuff. And then you stop and you go, wow. Wow, look at the impact to that day and age of Christianity coming in, of all of these people starting to follow Christ. Um, And then you can kind of understand why, you know, having this stuff available, the archaeology pieces, the maps, um, those cross-references are so important. Without cross-references, you wouldn't end up in Acts from Ephesians. You know, you wouldn't end up in that story of how the gospel actually comes to town. And that backstory is so important when you're reading the book of Ephesians to make you able to connect with the real context that Paul was writing that letter for, to understand what they were up against, to get what Timothy was dealing with on a daily basis. Um, And so that's how we use all those study helps. That's what we do with them. You know, I I think if I had to to recommend some, uh, you know, what versions would I send somebody to? Um, I will say this. I, I like the NASB, the New International or the New American Standard Bible. I'm comfortable with it. It's a word for word. Um, and so it, it's uh, academically, I think it's probably upper high school um, is where it's written. Um, the King James Bible with the these and the old English, um, that one's actually written at like a 12th grade reading level. And so I think that's important to notice. Um, but I will say this. The King James Bible, when it came out, was unprecedented for Bibles. And so there is a majesty and a grandeur in it because it was the first time that translation was done with multiple scholars. Um, It was the first time that resources were pooled. Um, It was the first time that scholars like had other people to read sections that they had written and, and offer, offer other thoughts on translating these words into English. They had access to Greek and Hebrew texts and, and things that nobody had had access to at that point. And so, you know, 
I think some of the reverence for the King James Bible, it comes from the fact that it was the ultimate version for its time when it was created. Um, and so people have, have hesitated to change anything about it. But I think one of the things I would want people to understand is that these and the thous are not what gives it its sacred quality. Um, it was actually put together in um, the 1600s on its initial version. Um, and it was done so well that they didn't touch it for 200 years um, until they had newer texts that had become available. And so they went back and to clarify the meanings for the words, they had better copies to look at. Um, And so it was revised in about the 1800s. And so, you know, even they updated it. And I think what we need to understand is that today's version that you hold in your hand um, a lot of these are from a variety of text base. They they use as many of those resources and is trusting of trusted of those resources. Um, and there's actually um, there's an A and a B that are the most complete sources um, that we have to this day for um, scripture. And so those are primary source texts for mo- almost everything we're going to have out today. Um, you are going to see a difference between like a Catholic Bible and um, the Protestant Bible. Uh, and the reason for that is because the Catholic Church, um, you have to understand there was a season where they controlled the Word of God. And so they, they um, during that season, there was a lot of keeping it to clergy and a lot of that kind of thing. Um, but one of the things they had added to it was the Apocrypha. Now, by and large, most of the church as we know it did not have that in it. For you history lovers, um, it, it was actually uh, in 397 is when those 27 books were just kind of accepted and confirmed. Um, and they recognized three centuries of use by followers of Christ. Um, and so they recognized that the church as a whole for over three centuries had just used the 27 books. Um, and so that's the difference between the Catholic Bible and um, the our Bible, uh, the Protestant Bible, is that we don't include those because church history, they took them out um, when they finalized that canon, those were not included. Now the Catholic Church has added them back in for certain reasons. But um and that's that's a fascinating study for those of you who want to look that up out up and check that out. Um I will tell you that Answers in Genesis does have some things where they've answered that specific question, what to do with those. You can also find those in a lot of the study materials out there. Um what are the reasons why the Apocrypha is not included in the canon? They had some very clear reasons for that. Um, Okay, so moving on, the most important thing is to be faithful to open what you own. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. You can buy supplemental stuff. You can buy books that talk about manners and customs. You know, so if you've ended up being given a Bible and you don't have the resources to buy another one because they can be pricey, um, there might be some books that you can buy that that provide some of those extra resources that'll help you with things. Um, but the thing I will tell you, you're accountable for what you possess. Um, and so you'll see this in, in other countries, like, 
they whatever they can get their hands on of God's word is what they just devour. It's what they search. It's what they memorize, what they commit to their heart. Um, you know, it, it just reminds me a little bit of how Paul talks about the Bereans, that they would search the scriptures daily to see if what Paul had talked about was true. That is our heartbeat. Um, our heartbeat with open the word is that you don't take our word for things that you have, um, a Bible and that you open it and you glean stuff for yourself because there is a huge difference between, um, having what somebody else is explaining to you and discovering it for yourself. The ownership level is different. The assurance level in what you find is just different. And so that's why we encourage people to be in the word, to open it, to search the scriptures. Um, one of the books I have in front of me right now is Rose's book of Bible charts, maps, and timelines. It's by Rose Publishing. They actually have a lot of resources available. Um, but for those of you who are more visual and picture, they have tons of colorful charts that are exciting. Um, these are actually some books that my kids love to open up and just look at and read different things about. But there's all kinds of things in these books, like um, little summaries of world religions. And, and so at a glance, you can go through and, okay, what do they all say about Jesus? What do they all say about salvation? What do they all say about this? And it compares them all. And so you can go through and go, okay, so, all right, I I can see the big differences. You know, there's things in these like what the temple looked like. Um, And so if you're reading a passage in the Old Testament of Solomon's temple being built, you can come in here, open up a flap, and just, you can just imagine what it would have been like to walk into something that was just covered in gold and sparkles and at the, the brilliance of that environment. Um, you can imagine the smells of walking past. Uh, you know, I used to always think it would have been awful smells. And somebody said, no, it probably would have smelled a lot like a barbecue all day long. And I'm not sure if that's true or not. But just imagine. Um, one of the biggest ways to connect with God's word in all of this is just to put yourself in the stories. And it's all of these extra things that help you do that. Um, it's the resource books you have or the the study Bible that you've bought and all of those little extras that are written to help you connect with what's going on on the page right in front of you um, and how it connects to the Bible as a whole and how you understand it. I hope and pray that you have been challenged to look at what you own and maybe look at your resource library. Um, Look at what books you have that help you understand God's word. Um, You know, it's, it's not very expensive. You can find them on Amazon sometimes for pretty cheap, some of these resource books. Um, And so I just encourage you, beef up your, your reference library, beef up, you know, maybe it's time to update your Bible. You know, sometimes we can get one where we're young and we just kind of use that one all along. Um, I know for me, I have written in mine so much that every once in a while, like every 20 years, I, I think I need to get a new one just so that I don't have so much underlined so that I can read it afresh. Um, and so sometimes that's good too. Um, and then I have friends that I know are... Um, they get a Bible out and for a specific kid every day, they are writing in the margins so that it can be a gift that they give to their children. Um, and so I have a friend that does that. I believe Beth does that. 
uh, for her kids where she reads the Bible in a year and she makes notes. Um, and so every year she's doing a Bible for a specific kid um, and writing in the margins, just the things that God shows her she finds. Um, in any case, our heart is that you connect to God's word because it is your foundation. Um, and so today, I hope today was helpful in just knowing what's available and what your options are um, with the word of God. And again, the one you have is the best one. <laughs> you know, open it up. Uh, you can upgrade, you can, you know, beef up some resources and that kind of thing. But the important thing is to get in there. Um, the Bible you have, people have died to put it in your language. Um, people have put their life on the line uh, to get it into the hands of believers all over the globe. It, Christians are, are even now today losing their lives because they own one or they've tried to sneak it into a close country. So understand that what you hold is a treasure. Um, hopefully that inspires you to open the word with Circle of Friends. today, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from modern farmhouse to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.